Today on CityCast Salt Lake, love it or hate it, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake is currently filming its third season right in our backyard. Personally, I am a fan. And my favorite person to track local housewifery with is my friend Eddie Taveras. And he's here today to recap some of what went down in season two and what we can all learn from this franchise. It's Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. I'm Ali Bayarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Eddie, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, this season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, if you were to define it in one word, what would that word be? Uh, beautifully chaotic. That's two words. Oh, sorry. I, I'm terrible. Um, a mess. <laughs> That's two words. A mess. Oh, <laughs> I'm not a good listener. Um, no, you're not. <laughs> um, sad. I don't know. It's okay, sad. Okay. Mine would be kind of angry. Mm. Okay. I do feel like we, before we go any further, we have to define this cast and this show. So The Real Housewives of Salt Lake follows how many? Five women. About, yeah. So you have our protagonist, Heather. Love who is basically on her leaving the Mormon church journey. You have Whitney, Heather's cousin. Here's how I would describe Whitney. Whitney likes to put blood in the water and then be like, I'm going to get to the bottom of who put this blood in the water. And that is Whitney's storyline. Yeah. She doesn't have a storyline, but the fact that she takes the baton and yeah. then I'm going to make an issue out of this. I'm mm-hmm. like, good for you. As a viewer, I appreciate mm-hmm. that. And so while she doesn't have a good storyline, I think she's... She's good for the cast. And then you have uh, Jenny, who is really not even worth discussing, really, because she, it turns out, has horribly racist anti-Black things to say. And the show has already ditched her, so she won't be back. And then you have Lisa Barlow, who basically is iconic, I think, in Salt Lake for coining the term Mormon 2.0. Which basically means I am devout, but I also run this liquor company. She symbolizes like wealthy people, mm-hmm. right? Like we have good values and agree like we shouldn't do this, but I can get away with it, right? Who are we missing? Oh, Mary Cosby, <laughs> agent of chaos. A legend, a legend amongst legend. I know she's, uh, people have feelings over her, but again, as a viewer, She is a freaking legend. When we talk, I think in like this pop culture moment, when we talk about having a problematic fave, Mary Cosby is like, she is in the dictionary next to problematic fave, where it's like she this season, it was alleged that she is as the leader of a church essentially running a cult. Mm. She is leaving the show because she is annoyed that the women have talked behind her back about her church and about the way she leads it and who she is. She never really fit in, but that's part of why she is so fun to watch. Yeah. And I would just say, it, I mean, we'll get into it, but it, it is disappointing that she chose to leave. I, I I thought that was more to her and I think she could have, uh, you know, stayed her ground a little more. Yeah. I wanted her to show up to the reunion and like yeah. speak for herself. I also just constantly want her to be in every scene because she, again, is a chaos agent. <laughs> 
There's Meredith Marks who owns a jewelry store on Main Street in Park City and I would say is not a protagonist of the show necessarily, but like kind of our barometer. She tends to be cool, calm, and somewhat collected at all times. Mm-hmm. And then our final housewife is Jen Shaw, who is the most in the news because while they were filming the season, she was arrested yeah. in the parking lot a of beauty a lab. strip mall of Beauty Lab, <laughs> which is basically in a strip mall in Salt Lake City, Utah, and is allegedly, allegedly, allegedly mm-hmm. uh, committed fraud, specifically defrauding elderly people. Her trial was supposed to be last week, but now it's been moved to July 11th. Yeah. I, I would know on, and, and this is something she brought up, she is still legally innocent. Mm-hmm, I, and I think mm-hmm. it's important for us to really talk about that um, as it pertains to Black and brown people um, that we need just need to say there, there is a presumption of innocence. She's just been accused and she has decided to take this to trial. Um, it seems like a, a hard case if it's true. Um mm-hmm. She is not new to the lawsuits or even, you know, arrest and involvement from mm-hmm. the franchise. So I, I do want to note that from her point of view as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is nothing I love more than when a character on a reality TV show breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> and when Jen Shaw got the call saying mm-hmm. the cops are on their way, you need to get <laughs> off this sprinter van. Um when she turned to Whitney and said, will you turn off my mic? A, a reality TV show, let alone a Real Housewives watcher, mm-hmm. can only dream of a moment like that where someone asks someone else to turn off their mic. I think it has changed the franchise forever because it's like no other housewifery, like light fraud, which is like endemic to the entire concept of the show is ever going to be able to meet that moment. Like she's giving us the theater we want. Mm-hmm. I do want to preface, it is real life and she is going through it and I do feel bad for her kids. Um, yeah. And actually, if we can go there where we're seeing the, I guess, Homeland Security mm-hmm. at her out house via the security camera. Yeah, I hated that part. I did too. And, and I hated it because of like what's been going on over the last few years um, and the trauma that I think it brought to a lot of the viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I respect Jen for agreeing to show that, but she brought up a good point. One is that that is a very dangerous situation mm-hmm. to have black people, but in particularly young black men confront, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. let alone kids, you know, her connecting that no matter how wealthy you are, no matter what neighborhood you live in, like mm-hmm. you're not, the police are not going to take that into account, right? Right. And the right. wrong move they they perceive, you know, because you're black and da- uh, a danger to them, you know, mm-hmm. that could have ended the life of those kids that were mm-hmm. there. And I love that she brought that. I thought the reunion, they should have touched more about what that meant and what that means to millions of black and brown kids mm-hmm. in America. Well, and on that note, I think we have to talk about Jenny's departure Mm. from the show, Mm -mm. who it was, and I'm putting air quotes around the word discovered. It was discovered that Mm -hmm. she had posted really sort of heinous things 
a litany of heinous things on her, I think, Facebook. Yeah. And it ranged from really anti-black comments about protesting and police violence to like conspiracy theories about the murder of George Floyd. And Mm. immediately that that came out, the reaction from Bravo was, we have cut ties with Jenny. She is no longer a part of the show. My question is, you're telling me (laughs) that I would describe probably one of the most talented group of producers on earth in the reality TV realm. Yeah. Who show up in cities like Salt Lake, don't necessarily know anyone, cast these shows, figure out the perfect dynamic, figure out who knows who, plant these seeds to craft an entire season that they didn't look at this cast member's Facebook? Right. I have a really hard time believing that. And... I'll put my tinfoil hat on. I feel like they knew. From my perspective, Bravo knew what they were doing when they casted her. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they took a calculated risk. Uh, like, this is going to turn out. We're going to have this apology kind of tour um, mm-hmm. of what people do when they say, whether it's the N-word, anti-Blackness, and, like, people get over it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so much respect to the viewers who essentially drew a line and say, no, Mm -hmm. this is not okay. Something I noticed about this season is like, if everyone is wrong, which Mm -hmm. this season, it feels like everyone is wrong. Yeah. Then who's your protagonist? Like, how do you pick a side? Because even reality TV follows like the normal sort of paradigms of like narrative arcs. But like, it felt like this season there was really none because we all expected the narrative arc to be around Jen Shaw's arrest. But because right. it's such an incredibly serious allegation, it was kind of a vacuum. Like, she couldn't actually talk about it. And so instead, it was just like a complete conflict zone between all of them. And I guess the question I'm left with is like, A, am I going to keep watching a show where I'm being gaslit by every single character? I think the answer is yes. (laughs) And B, was there too much conflict? Because a good fight needs a winding up. This season was like no volcano, all lava. (laughs) 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 And I'm just swimming around the lava. Right. Why am I here? Yeah, but here's the thing. I love drama. I've watched these terrible, terrible uh, shows to get that drama. And so I'm here for the ride. I'm here for the effects. I'm here for the emotional abuse. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm here for all of it. Right, exactly. The other place that this show really takes me is every single other Housewives franchise. The only markers that connect those women to the place they're in Mm -hmm. is race and accents. Salt Lake City, these women, you could not move this show to another city because in another city, they would be like, what is multi-level marketing? They would be like, what is Mormon 2.0? They would be like, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to believe that a big night out is going to Brio Tuscan Grill. (laughs) I mean, just watching the show, I was like, oh, I've been there or oh, Mm -hmm. I've passed by it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of love that I can 
name things or remember places based on where they go. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that I think is interesting about the show is when you're watching a franchise that's outside the place you live, Mm -hmm. you have no choice but to believe that these women, these characters are who we're being told they are, which is movers and shakers, extremely wealthy, extremely known members of this community. And when, to get back to the idea of breaking the fourth wall, when this franchise happens in your own backyard, you realize how much pageantry, how much movie magic is in play. (laughs) Because I will tell you, I worked at the Sundance Film Festival. When Lisa Barlow said that she is the queen of Sundance, immediately my phone exploded from texts from numerous Sundance staffers being Uh, like, I have never heard of this person. (laughs) You see. Right? So it's like the projection of wealth (laughs) is how I think a lot of them get in to trouble. But it's it's like a really interesting case study in like the American culture of like, quote unquote, keeping up with the Joneses. Right. And then I, I think you add, because when the franchise first started, I think it was with Orange County, social media mm-hmm. wasn't really like a big thing where we mm-hmm. follow these characters um, in their daily lives. Mm-hmm. Like we can, <laughs> we can essentially right. figure out how you vote, where you live and so on and so forth. And right. so I, I agree with you. I think the producer set up environments where these individuals, uh, these cast members take it to a next level. Right. And like, that's why, like to completely contradict everything I've said about how it feels to watch this show and like, feel like they're all performing. I do quite like basically all of them and I want them to get better and do better Mm -hmm. and be better. And I don't like being put in that position as a viewer because I want to be able to enjoy their chaos like candy. And the chaos coming out of Salt Lake is so deeply traumatic from, you know, the allegations, the charges, the like familial abuse, the cycles of trauma that we get from people like Mary and Heather. It is so sad that there Mm -hmm. is a darkness to it. Like I'm starting to be like, is this a true crime show? (laughs) (laughs) And I guess on that note, what do you think season three is going to bring? I would say that if Jen wins her case, Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be the redemption of Jen Shaw hmm. and how Heather stood by her. Now, here's the thing. I don't think Jen is going to be humble about it. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no. I think she is going to come with additional feathers everywhere. <laughs> yep. More diamonds, more crystals, mm-hmm. more silk, everything. Mm-hmm. I think if Jen Shaw loses her trial, I think it's up in the air. I think we slip deeper into the darkness of where this show is headed and what it's becoming. Yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting as a viewer to watch and see how they play out because I know they're doing uh, adding cast members. And so mm-hmm. yes. I, I would be interested in-, in Reported but not confirmed, mm. Angie Katsanevas, who owns Lunatic Fringe Salons, okay. would be great. Apparently auditioned for season one and didn't quite make the cut. So um, we'll be hopefully back with a vengeance. And yeah. then- I'm not sure if you pronounce her name Tina or Tina. I think it's Tina Edwards, 
who is a luxury realtor in Salt Lake and has a very fun TikTok. Yeah. So that could be exciting, but I don't know. My hope for season three is that... So you actually sent me this text, a screenshot of Representative (laughs) Carol Spackman Moss posting on her Facebook a photo with her daughters and Heather Gay at neighborhood caucus night for the Democratic Party in, I think Heather lives in Draper or Sandy. Um, And Carol Spackman Moss's post was, you know, look who I ran into basically at neighborhood caucus night. And if season three gives us Heather Gay participating in the Democratic Party neighborhood caucus for House District 37... (laughs) That's it. I'm loyal for life. I'm going to one-up you on this one. She runs for local city council. Oh. Can you can you just imagine Heather Gay, business mm-hmm. local businesswoman, beauty lab, mm-hmm. runs for city council, or maybe mayor? Yeah, I like that. Maybe the direction the show needs to go is less fraud, less crime, more civic engagement. Love it. Eddie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for doing this with me. I guess... Maybe we'll do it again this time next year, but I promise not again before then. (laughs) (laughs) Please keep that promise. A little news before we go. One of the things Utahns are proud of is how much movie and TV production actually takes place here. And I'm not implying that you take pride daily in the Real Housewives of Salt Lake, but chances are you've walked a visiting friend past the house in the avenues where they filmed Hereditary or taken them to the Sandlot from the Sandlot in West Valley. I think location scouting is a fascinating thing, and I recently learned that you can submit your own property to the Utah Film Commission's directory of available locations, which means production folks might call you to film a scene or a commercial in your house or business. It's free to create a listing at film.utah.gov. Want to know a few of the current listings in Salt Lake? Cafe Melisse, Millie's Burgers in Sugar House, Roja Brewing, The Bride's Shop Wedding Dresses on South Temple, and the 9th and 9th intersection? All right. That's our show today on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Bye.